welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank by applying the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. Today, I'm interviewing Terry Hale. He's an author of educational curriculums, numerous trade and business magazine articles, and has presented live seminars to over 200,000 attendees across the nation for educational advisory services. Terry has been featured on CBS Radio, CNBC, and several syndicated radio broadcast networks as the leading authority in commercial real estate investing. He has over 20 years of real estate-related marketing, training, and teaching experience. Terry has been on several board of directories providing real estate syndication programs and has assisted in negotiations with the years of diversified real estate experience. His commercial real estate training provides the techniques on how to find, pre-screen, evaluate, structure, and use negotiation tactics for repositioning and stabilizing commercial properties. Terry, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. I'm looking forward to interviewing you, getting to know you and your company and your brand. Tell us more, a little bit more about your background. Well, again, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. A little background on myself. I started off uh, roughly 25 years ago in the construction space of actually doing ground up uh, construction and development with my father and his three brothers and realized that the best place to be is on the other side where you have other people uh, actually doing all the work when you're facilitating the acquisition, meaning the purchase of, of the project and then moving it forward. And once I realized that that's what I wanted, I uh, brought on a, a personal mentor that guided me in the right direction. He was a very successful developer. And five years down the road, which was a great uh, opportunity for me, I learned the ins and the outs of the business, but then I hit the ceiling. How convenient that uh, that your podcast is, uh, is so much about finance. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what changed my world because for those of people that are in the know on, on the podcast here, my debt to income ratio got hit pretty hard. I hit the ceiling. Banks liked me. They liked my credibility. They liked the portfolio that I had, but I just over leveraged and I was no good on paper and I was risk. And from there, I had to reinvent myself. So that was about the first uh, five years in business uh, when I was doing things on a conventional level. When I changed and I re-engineered, rethought about how I can move forward and do the right deals, I started focusing on creative finance. And that opened up the last couple of decades to a successful investing career. And now I have a boutique firm out here in Malibu, California with a great staff that supports me. I have a great client base that I partner up with and I move forward and expand my portfolio and do multifamily self-storage, industrial big box shopping centers, building a continuous exponential wealth. That's what it's all about. Continuous growth. And when you mentioned like you kind of moved from conventional to creative financing, do you mind sharing what's like, what are the differences between those two? Yeah. So conventional is getting, you know, getting your, your ducks in a row, meaning great credit, you know, your FICO score, your transient Equifax experience. You have that three digit FICO. That's really good. Then you have your credibility, right? Of all the projects that you've completed. And then you have to have, you know, your tax returns and your bank statements. And then you have to basically give a personal guarantee and get a bank loan. And that, that's what I refer to as conventional. Mm -hmm. And doing things non-conventional is really identifying opportunity that you can get in with a non-conventional methodology. So it's creative finance, non-recourse loans, meaning no personal guarantees, seller finance wraps, creating seller finance seconds behind senior debt when you wrap it, doing things uh, that eliminate cross-collateralization and putting you at risk. So everything that I do here for the last couple of decades, as mentioned, is 
really using these creative structures mm -hmm. and doing things like if it's own free and clear, creating a seller finance note with a subordination clause to have the seller actually jump into second position, allowing a new first. And that's a super creative structure, which gives the opportunity to get in there and uh, secure a private capital in first position, which is very easy to do. And it sounds like when you do this, when you go from conventional to creative financing, you can potentially get more deals done. You don't have to worry about the personal guarantee. What else is there? Like, What other benefits of, of going more creative do, does one find or see? Well, one is uh, the main objective is that you don't hit the ceiling like I did. I mean, I was great on paper. You know, I was uh, operating on um, a handful of projects. I was getting, you know, multi-million dollar loans. Mm -hmm. And then the banks finally came back to me and said, you've secured too much debt and you don't have enough income to support it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your average investor, um, sorry, they go and they look at a capitalization rate. For for example, and for yeah. those folks that are maybe on the podcast that are not familiar with cap rate, I'll sum it up in 30 seconds or less. You got your gross income. That's all the money that the project makes minus your itemized expenses, like your taxes, your insurance, your management, your utility bills, your operational capital, like management, right? Now you take all that out, your expenses. So you got your gross minus your itemized expenses, which equals your net operating income. And then your NOI divided by the purchase price equals the cap rate. So that's like how the average investor buys is they're buying, utilizing this cap rate formula. What happens when you use a cap rate formula is a lot of times you're buying on performa, meaning future value, not on as is. So yeah. you're buying too rich and you're guaranteeing too much debt and there's not enough income. And to get back to your main question is how did that, these creative strategies really benefit me? Like what's the biggest takeaway is that when you're setting the bar and creating the right terms, you can do things that are highly creative. There's an amortization schedule, like you can do a 30-year AM, 25-year, mm -hmm. a 20-year, a 10-year, like we all know this, right? For those that are in the know of finance. But when you go to interest only, someone, the main people are, are fearful of interest only because you don't have any principal buy-down. Mm -hmm. But we're moving forward and repositioning these properties so quickly, like 24, 36 months, that the principal reduction really isn't that much over a 24 and 36 month period. So for us to do interest only, that is the cheapest money that you can get. Yeah. And it's because it's not amortized. And then for that reason, we can actually cash flow at closing a lot of times on these projects and cash flow at closing without having to um, calculate negative debt service. Um, it's a real true benefit. So getting creative like that, I mean, I'll give you an example. I've got a project right outside of Scottsdale, Arizona, about 30 minutes outside of Scottsdale. And this project is a 12 box. So it's 12 big boxes, right? They're distribution, industrial distribution. So there's people doing things in there and they're shipping stuff out. That's what they're doing in there, right? <laughs> we don't need to peel back exactly what their business is, mm -hmm. but they're, they were all on month to month uh, leases when I purchased it. And what I did was I went and I locked in um, some industrial uh, leases, which were five-year leases, and I upped the rents and created a 4% increase. I got personal guarantees against each of the tenants, and I doubled down on their deposits. And by doing so, I stabilized the property, purchasing it at $2.2 million after stabilizing the property, going back to market at market occupancy, market rents, and at market cap rate it would trade back at a six cap, 5.5 to six cap. The property's true value is a little over $4 million. And I call that in commercial real estate, I call that number manipulation. Mm -hmm. 
And and we really, you can't do that with the house buying business. You can't do that with cryptocurrency. Yeah. You can't do that. With, you know what I mean? You can't do that with a lot of these business models that are out there. But I believe that people that are in the real estate space, mainly commercial, the way that they're making money mm-hmm. is by reducing expenses, maximizing the highest and best use, looking at recessionary proof property types where they're not going to get affected by the cyclical market that goes down during a bad economy. Mm-hmm. And by doing so and acquiring these properties out there, you know, the guy that bought it, it's always about the backstory, right? So if there's no story, there's no deal. And the backstory was this guy built it in 2014, ground up. He knew what his replacement cost was, what it would take to replace it and what it took for him to build it. And so for him to sell it at 2.2 million was a great deal for him because he was maximizing his returns. And he wanted out because at the time that I took it over, they were all month to month tenants. They were a little wishy-washy. It took me roughly six months to reposition but once it's repositioned and I locked in, of course, I had to you know, get some tenants out and brought more quality tenants in. And some of the existing tenants took over a couple of the additional bays. But once stabilizing that property and it shows that I have rock solid tenants with personal guarantees, five-year leases, that's a stabilized asset. And someone can 1031 into that quickly and be able to take over uh, what I created. And do you mind sharing more? What does that mean to 1031 into something? So 1031... There's a there's a, a rule where if you were to acquire a property and you have that property, the way we do it is we, we purchase property that are underperforming. Then what we do is we make them so they are at their highest and best use and stabilized, as I mentioned, the property mm-hmm. outside of Scottsdale. Once that property sits the way it's sitting now, it becomes an actual asset. That property has seller financing on it with no personal guarantee on my behalf. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get in on that deal with less than 20% down. So I eliminated the banks on the way in. Mm-hmm. And now since I have a stabilized asset, if I wanted to, if I didn't want to sell, I still have ownership of that property today. If I didn't want to sell that property, what I could do is a cash out refinance. Mm-hmm. So if I go to a any type of lender, whether it's a preferred you know, A lender that can loan on the deal, they're more than likely going to want me to give some kind of personal guarantee. But if I go Alte, meaning alternative lending, it's going to be a little bit higher of an interest, but they're just going to go asset-based loan. So Mm -hmm. I can eliminate personal guarantees. It's not like a hard money lender by any means. This is just alternative lending. So if I were to do a cash out refinance, what I can do is show the loan to value, meaning how much debt I owe to what the property's true net worth is um, current today. In this case, I owe 1760000 and the property is worth $4 million. So I can do a cash out refinance. And if I took actual cash out, I could put that cash into Hip National Bank. That's my pocket, not pay taxes on that money because yeah. I haven't sold the asset. And then I can roll it into a 1031 exchange. And a 1031 is to identify a property that's a like kind and, and quality property. And a lot of times you can go from like a, a B class to an A or go from a C class to a B or A. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you're upgrading the the reinvestment. You're reinvesting those dollars. And what that does, the benefit to that is it makes it so you don't have to pay taxes because you're not selling the property to pay taxes on it. You're rolling it into another exchange. And then speaking of if you're a real estate professional, if you have our real estate professional status from a tax perspective, then it can even accelerate or you can even find more paper losses by taking out that cash out refinance and then investing in other properties and so on. So it becomes like a compounding effect where you have a real estate deal that gives you a tax advantage 
with that tax advantage, you're able to buy more real estate. With that more real estate, you're able to take more tax advantage and so on. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like the snowball effect. It's just yeah. rolling it over. And um, you know, by doing so, if you roll that property that let's say, um, let's say you sold it at four million and you have all of your proceeds, a couple million bucks, you can actually roll that into a few different investments as well. And those investments maybe are underperforming. And then you get those stabilized and up mm -hmm. at their highest and best, and you're creating even more money. And then you can roll that one again and you continue to roll it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the reasons there's four reasons why we keep property in commercial real estate. It's uh, appreciation, mm -hmm. depreciation, cash flow, and cash out. But the 1031 gives us the ability to, again, roll these over and, like you said, compound and make more, make more, make more. So you're, it's a self-storage, multifamily. Uh, is it across the whole U.S. or do you have like a specific like market like you specialize in or focus on? Yeah, no, good question. So, yeah, we absolutely get into the intel of, you know, what's happening in these emerging markets. Um, it's very easy to find projects if you happen to go to like, you know, LoopNet or yeah. Crexy. That's another website or, you know, selfstorages.com or any of these city feed or any of these, these platforms. There's even th these advanced technology platforms now like Reonomy and Crexy Intelligence, which allows you to get personal cell phone numbers and you can call owners direct. It just takes effort. Yeah. I'm never here to dish the magic pill. I'm not your, you know, typical guru guy that yeah. just pitches it. That's not, that's not what's going on here. Um, it takes work to make the dream work. And yeah. with that, if someone has the energy to put into it, it does give one the ability to go into the right market. So noting the right markets, like some people would say, Terry, why did you, you know, do multiple projects in, you know, Montgomery, Alabama? Like, yeah. why would you do deals in Montgomery? And Montgomery slated for, you know, 200 million in infrastructure over the next five years. And that's a good reason to know what's happening in the area. Most people actually don't hone in on simple ways to see if there's master plan communities and developments happening in certain areas, or if the infrastructure, meaning, you know, sewer and water from the city is being annexed into different counties mm -hmm. and knowing different areas and just being in the know of the acquisition criteria puts you at a massive advantage over the marketplace. You know, a lot of times other investors that I speak with, sorry, they, they sit there and they're just like kind of cross-eyed, you know, going on these websites that I mentioned yeah, and they're just throwing darts blindfolded at a map yeah, and they have no rhyme or reason of why they're doing what they're doing and they're not producing results. And unfortunately I have to say this, but being in the, in the marketplace and, you know, speaking on countless stages and sharing stages with some folks that are very well known that are out there in the guru space. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of history behind me of going out there and understanding that, you know, we can offer information to people, but these mediocre broken systems and folks that speak of um, opportunity for people without actually leading them down the path of success with proven strategies and techniques, it's actually a, a failing event. And it's unfortunate. So I stay clear of all that. I, I just want to mention that I did author a mm -hmm. self-publish a book called The Two Best Strategies to Profit with Commercial Real Estate. And I want to offer it to uh, to your listeners as well. So at any point, if someone does want that um, after we cue this uh, podcast and end it, I want to make sure I can put something in everyone's hands um, just as a, a give back, just to share what it is that I do in depth. Yeah, thank you for that. And when we get to the end, I'll put in the links in the show notes below so that way listeners can just click and find those, find your books, like through Amazon or however however you have them marketed. But before we finish, I have a couple more questions. So um, yep. before recording, we were talking about some of the things you're currently doing. And I guess, and based off the research I've done on you, you have like a training mentoring program, right? Do you mind sharing more about what it is and, and how you train and mentor? 
other individuals? Yeah, absolutely. So I used to have like the old manual books and audios and that's, that's it, man. I would tell everybody, I want you to have an MBA, right? Manual books (laughs) and audio. (laughs) And what I found was that giving information to people, mm-hmm. one is that most people, when they're handed something, unless they have some you know, skin in the game, yeah. whether it's their time, energy, uh, investment, whatever it happens to be, they're not going to take it real. you know. And so what I've done is I've created a way on a strategy session and interview basis. I want to make sure that we can speak the same language and that we have the same approach on how we can move forward and do business mm-hmm. together. And then what I do is I take a handful of people and I mentor them. I bring them under my wing and I show them the ins and the outs, A to Z, everything about the commercial real estate business and what I do. We're very heavy on acquisitions at my mm-hmm. boutique firm here in Malibu, California. And um, just like my head acquisitions guy, uh, Matt, who's in his office right now, I can assure you that he's working deals and that's what we do. And it's refreshing because we can lead by example and show real deals that are happening. And we do something called a deal flow Fridays. We do a deep dive and we go through a cross analysis and break it down, do underwriting. And I show you exactly what it is and how to go about it. So I've created a six step process through my mentorship. It's finding pre-screening, evaluating, structuring, negotiating, and facilitating. And there's two ways to do the business, um, hence the name, the two best strategies for profit with commercial. One way is to wholesale it. Mm-hmm. And you know, people say wholesaling, it's like, what, you don't have the money to do the deal? No, it's not that. But we look at a lot of projects and sometimes they don't fit the mold. So we're not going to sit here and pound a square peg into a round hole. But if the deal makes sense, then there's a butt for every seat. So what we do is we take that and I own something called the Commercial Buyers Club. And we have thousands of people on that platform. And what we do is we take these projects and instead of just throwing them away and Mm -hmm. deleting them out of our inbox, we take these, we still tie them up. And what we do is we wholesale the paper. So Mm -hmm. all we're doing is moving the paper from one side of the table to the other side of the table. And we don't touch anything unless we can make six figures. And if that's alarming, if someone's hair is blown back over making six figures, I can assure you, you can spend that money as fast as you can make it. It's not a lot of money. But it's not the house buying business where you're whittling away and making, you know, 30, 50 grand. That's, that's a minimum of a hundred grand that we make uh, per transaction on wholesaling. And then the other way is repositioning. So we close it, we reposition and that that's a big word. So repositioning, what does that mean? That's post operations. Mm -hmm. And we close the deal in an entity. When we close that project, then we do the post operations. We bring in the marketing, we bring in the on-site management, We actually have any groundwork that's done, meaning deferred maintenance. We understand the CapEx, which is capital expenditure. And we factor in if there is any negative debt service and we bring the capital in, actually do the deal, close the project, own the property. And then what we do is we fill the vacancies, we raise the rents, we automate, we modernize, whether it's a self-storage facility, multifamily, industrial, big box, shopping center, whatever. And then we maximize the profit. For tax advantages, typically it's a one-year hold, but over that one year, we're, cal- we're actually calculating our cash flow. So we're getting cash flow, we're getting appreciation, we got tax write-off for depreciation, and then at that point, we can either refinance and keep the property and do a cash-out refi, or what we do is we go back to market and trade it at a very low cap and make 
a minimum of seven figures per transaction. If we're going to put the work in there, then it's got to be a minimum of a million dollars or more. People say, well, where does the money come from? Like, I don't have money. Like, where's the money? You know, let's just say this. I'm in a very uh, affluent area here in Malibu, California. I'm part-time in New York City as well. And I've created relationships with people. And what I've understood very clearly is that the right deals attract money like a magnet. Yeah. And if you're dealing with accredited investors and they meet the three in one rule and they're in place and they understand risk and reward, and you can show the underwriting on the deal of how you're buying it and the lift that we create, that's a buzzword here in my business, the lift, and we can show how much money can be made per transaction. It's enticing. And Obviously, if we're going to be bringing in seller financing, so all we need is the bridge capital for the down payment and operation cost and cash reserve. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of money. We're not talking about bringing in millions of dollars. Yeah. That's like, that's the secret sauce is that if your average acquisition is two to 5 million, or sometimes even close, I did a deal in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We closed it for 300,000 mm-hmm. and it was a self-storage and it was sitting there. And it was practically vacant and it needed, it needed some, some cosmetic. Um, and now the property is operating at over 80% economic occupancy. Where that property's value is today is close to a million dollars where we mm-hmm. bought it for three. People think commercial and they think millions of dollars right out of the gate. And it can be big and scary. But if you're not giving a personal guarantee and you can underwrite the property by knowing what it is that you're doing and showing the buy price to what the ARV is. And that's, that's another buzzword. ARV is after repaired value yeah. and it's highest and best use. And you can show the spread on how much money can be made in the deal. And it's in a great market population north of a hundred thousand, maybe in a sub market right outside of an MSA metropolitan statistic area. Then you're literally dealing with money, like real deals that can produce real money. Yeah, definitely. I like how you mentioned that last part. Like people think that if you're going to get into these properties, like you have to have all that cash or you have to qualify for all that financing on your own. And the reality is like, this is what happens when you partner up with people with similar minds and similar networks and things like that. And and also too, another thing too, is it becomes to the point where the individuals who are deploying capital, it's like, it's also a, it's a win-win situation. It's a win for you because you get to raise the capital to get across these deals. It's also a win for the investors because where else could they earn, you know, 15, 18% internal rate of return over a year or two year period. Those types of investments are very difficult. And I'm just, I just mentioned 15 to 18% internal rate of return. I'm assuming that's what some of the returns the investors you, you work with good because I'm comparing that to other investors I've interviewed on this podcast and other real estate investors I've worked with, you know? So like, where else would you get those rates of return? The bank isn't going to give you those. The stock market, it could, or it could, you could lose half your money in one day. So like, you know, it's also a win-win from both sides, from the person raising the capital, as well as the person giving the capital. Right. And then, you know, being the fact that your whole focus here is all about finance, there's something to keep in mind. You know, there's usury law, right? And we know this. And so if you go and you borrow capital for clarity, I'm not borrowing capital. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the the returns that I'm giving are, are crazy returns because it's not like a syndication play where I'm having a bunch of people put money into a deal. And then you look at the overall returns and it could be as low as like, you know, something crazy like 4%, which I've seen or up to 18, like you mentioned. But imagine if I brought somebody in that's an accredited investor and actually just gave them equity of the deal where I didn't have to do debt service. Yeah. And it just strengthened the project versus weakened the project. 
And I brought them in as a limited partner, as a passive investor, and they get, they get an actual piece of the pie, meaning mm -hmm. the upside. So if somebody were to come in on, let's say a $2 million play and put down, let's just say 400,000, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, they get their 400 back plus 50% return of the actual monies that's brought in from the project. So if that project now has a $2 million return and they make a million dollars plus their 400,000 back, where yeah. can you go slap down 400,000 and get your 400 back plus taking a million? Like that's just absolutely unheard of. And that's yeah. why money's so easy for me because I don't have greed glands. I'm not a greedy person. And I understand that if I can do that type of project with those type of investors, then money mm -hmm. is really easy to get. I can turn bigger deals and move forward on more deals and be able to still get the returns that, that I need. And what I'm doing is just being an explorer and being creative. Mm -hmm. So I'm exploring opportunity and I'm getting creative with finance and I'm making it where I eliminate as much risk as possible going in on a non-recourse basis. Working with these recessionary proof properties and working in these merging markets for those type of properties, most of the deals we're, we're moving on anyway are off market. So no one else, there's no competition and we can move it quickly. And then we bring in the professionals. I've always coined this phrase, hire the professionals, let them do what they do best while we focus on what we do best. Yeah. So it's all about acquisitions. You know, he, he who actually finds the gold makes the rules. And yeah. that's what we're doing is we're, we're literally mining for gold. And then is that where the term like bird dog comes in in real estate? Yeah, exactly. When I mentioned high power bird dogs, if I can duplicate myself, you know, I'm, I'm not superhuman, you know, I have the same amount of time in a day, a week, a month, and a year. But what I find is that a lot of times people are swapping hours for dollars. You know, mm -hmm. they're spending their time doing something and then they look at what their overall take was for that year. And if they're not satisfied or if they can't grow and expand that, then they put themselves in a box. Mm -hmm. And so if I can duplicate myself and take someone uh, maybe one of your listeners and say, Hey, listen, if we ended up getting together, any investment that, that you make in yourself, you're going to get that back a hundred percent. And I can help you create financial freedom. At the end of the day, it's not a charity event. We mm -hmm. split in the profit and there's a different equity split depending on the investment. And that's the only difference. The education is the same. It just comes down to the equity split for the investment. And someone that comes in full bore and says, I'm in, let's go. If I can duplicate myself and now they're doing it on a part-time basis, locating, pre-screening, evaluating, structuring, and then bring it to me and I help negotiate the deal. And then I help facilitate and do post operations. And then we both profit together. Like that's a hundred percent win-win. Well, Terry, it was a pleasure interviewing you and getting to know you and your business model and your brand. How can the listeners connect with you and learn more about you? Great. So my name, Terry Hale, it's T-E-R-R-Y-H-A-L-E.com. That's mm -hmm. a very easy way to get in touch with me. I did not load this book on Amazon, so there's no cost. You don't even have to pay shipping. I, I created it in a digital uh, download as well. So oh, awesome. I'll provide that to you so you can uh, offer that to anyone who would like to take a deep dive more into the business model. And um, yeah, I do uh, set up a strategy session. So I'd also like to offer that to your listeners on a first come first serve basis. They can go to terryhale.com forward slash action, like mm -hmm. taking action, right? terryhale.com forward slash action. And they can go ahead and uh, secure a spot. And we jump on and it's just a casual 15 minute strategy session and conversation to see if we're fit. Okay. Sounds good. So terryhale.com.
Com. And I'll put in that link in the show notes so that way you can just click on it and go to your website and either download the free ebook or schedule an appointment with you. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to bringing you back on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.